Hey guys, welcome to the Academy Building Podcast. I'm Harriet. I'm your host for today. Uh, today's special guest is Elliot. Hi Elliot, thanks Hello. for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, just before we get going, if we've got people out there who are in your world, your rock yeah. and roll, your punk rock, yeah, and yeah, yeah. all the other sub-genres that you yeah. mentioned, yeah. can they reach out to you? Can they get in touch yeah, with you? Yeah, definitely. Just go on 1234records.com and all my info's on there. You can email me, tweet me, whatever. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, Elliot at 1234records.com. Yeah, it's E-L-L-I-O-T at 1234records.com. Okay. Is it viable to have a music career in the music industry in 2016? Um, bands only really make their money from touring in Europe because it, it I mean, you know, um, it because they pay a lot more for some reason. I don't know why. It's a controversial topic then. Yeah. What's your take on Brexit? I can't believe we left. Mm-hmm. Do you Absolutely. think it's going to have a really negative impact? Well, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen anyway. Right, okay. <laughs> In my opinion, I, don't, I, don't, I think they're going to fiddle something somewhere. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah, it will, uh, you know, if, if we don't have freedom of travel um, and freedom of work, bands won't be able to tour Europe because um, they need to get work visas. And if you've got... Is that if a problem got... though? I mean, just to play devil's advocate, I am completely on mm, your side, but mm. is getting a work visa... I mean, it's just an extra bit of it's, paperwork and an extra no, 80 quid. it's 60 pounds. It's 60 pounds. 60 pounds, right? okay. Or, well, or, you know, so let's, let's say it's 60 quid. It might be a little bit more, I don't know, right? 60 pounds and you've got a four-man band and then you've got a tour manager and say you've got a roadie, right? So mm. you've got six people and for every single country you go into... I don't know what so that's an extra 360 quid every time every time you go into a country so if you do 10 it. countries that's another so over three and a half grand that's your profit gone. actually well when you put it that way it that's is your a profit gone right you won't make any money so then there'd be no point going to europe no even with going. the higher people, fees people, people wouldn't go so then we're trapping our musicians inside our borders <laughs> yeah and getting them to play 50 quid every saturday the old blue all free <laughs> Okay, so it is a total shit show for musicians, and I will just say from experience, this has been translated across all different genres. Yeah, Jazz musicians, funk musicians, even session musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're not feeling the pinch yet, but the the fear is is very apparent. I mean, as I said, I'd be so shocked if, uh, if it does actually happen. I don't think it will. But we'll um, see. My political knowledge isn't thorough enough to comment. I don't think. Yeah, on no, a, let's not even on, go a, there. on a podcast. <laughs> but I just I, I bring it up just because yeah. it is one of those really controversial topics, and I think yeah. it's it's the one that's been spoken about most. I think across all music genres. I appreciate yeah, I we've mean, all got our pockets and our venues that we mm-hmm, play in, mm-hmm. and you know, our, our different niches and different fan bases. Mm-hmm. But this is something that's affected everyone. Yeah, absolutely. In the absolutely. industry, I mean, it was kind of shock horror that Friday morning when everyone found out like I walked into the office and it was just, I can't believe it mm. this is not okay and you know literally I mean even now you go to a gig and you speak to bands and bands are like I can't I can't believe that that it happened because it's, it's you know if it does go ahead it's going to be fairly detrimental to the music industry in my yeah, well, opinion well as you just said it hasn't actually happened yeah exactly so yet. we'll see who so, knows who knows do you think it'll affect the major labels Ah, of course it won't. Because they've got the extra cash to spend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it, it, it's killing the, the organic thing is, yeah, talent, I mean, isn't it? Yeah, what, what it would kill is, is you know, the, the, the bands at my level, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I work at a really high level in the industry. I work at, you know, in kind of the lower third. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, that's, in a way, the most important part of the music industry because that's where your bands start, yeah. you know. That's where, you know, like... You that's know, where it's completely organic yeah exactly homegrown. exactly homegrown DIY Authentic, you know yeah. um, but we'll see yeah we'll see what happens okay so so how do musicians break that Europe market 
you've just got to go there and get, you've got to get yourself a good booking agent. Um, and if you get yourself a European booking agent, he, you know, they will book you on tours. There's loads of venues around Europe and Europe's got a great music scene. Um, you know, especially, especially for the bands I work with, they live off touring in Europe a lot of the time. And this is the rock and roll indie yeah. rock. Yeah. Yeah. Niche in yeah. the in the industry. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's go back to London. We've we've already said Old Blue Last is a great venue. Mm. Where else could these bands be playing? If we've got bands who are indie rock, rock yeah. and roll artists, where else should they be playing there's in loads, London? There's loads of venues. So you've got the Old Blue, then you've got um, Birthdays that's up in Dalston, that's another Vice venue. Um, and then you've got Lock Tavern, just here around the corner in Camden. Yeah. Um what used to be the Barfly is now called the Camden Assembly. It's opening. I think it's, it might just opened or it's opening in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and then go back to East London, you've got venues like the Seabright Arms, uh, the Waiting Room in Stoke Newington. There are loads, you know, and most of these venues are pubs um, with just like a basement that's got a stage in it. And you get like 100 people in them. Um, okay. But you see some of the best bands in, in those venues because that's, that's where bands kind of break themselves and get going. Right, so it literally is just a case of getting on the gigging scene, doing the circuit, appearing in the right venues. Absolutely. How else do they make money? Can they make money out of merchandise, albums? Well, sales? I mean, when you when you're kind of when you're talking at the level of the old blue and uh, you know and birthdays and venues like that, it's like yeah, you might have a couple of t-shirts, but that just pays for your beer for the night. Okay. Um, bands tend to make the most money out of touring. You know, playing okay. shows um you just got to do that loads of them absolutely loads of them you know so like so say for this summer obviously summer everyone knows it's festival season mm-hmm. um you know you would expect a band to be kind of almost constantly gigging through the summer because if they if if they're whether they're booking the shows themselves or they've got an agent booking it uh, you would expect because there's so many opportunities in the summer to get gigs you know a band a good band should be gigging all summer okay and in the winter there's always, you know, that's just because festival season, there's a lot okay. of gigs on. But, you know, uh, venues around London are always, they've always got bands on. There's loads of places to play and opportunities to play. You've just got to get out there and find them, you know. There's no there's no mystery behind it. There's no, you know, you don't need a manager. You don't necessarily need a booking agent. You've just got to go and you've got to find the promoters who are putting on nights. Um, and you've just got to make yourself known in the scene and get in with people. It's a big network of friends, basically. And do you once think you're social media is integral to this network? Massively so, yeah, massively so. It's uh, you know a lot of bands kind of shy away from it, but it's actually really important because uh, people uh, people who go to these gigs think that rock and roll is this mysterious entity that they're never going to be able to get a peek inside of and mm. with things like instagram actually if a band's on the road they can they can document their time on the road and people love it because they're like wow that's what it's like to go on tour yeah uh, so it's, i mean it's, it's so important and then obviously you know when you've when you've got a gig coming up getting it on facebook and uh, doing the facebook event and all that uh, yeah it's really important i mean facebook don't really help things because they do that thing where if you post something uh it'll, it'll be seen by like 10 percent of your followers unless sure. you pay for it to be boosted which is annoying but uh it's just how it is you know use twitter do you think facebook should be doing more to support oh no independent artists no they're a massive company they're going to do what they like not a conversation worth having no not at all because obviously it's never going to happen so okay so as an independent artist either with or without management with or without a booking agent what else can bands and musicians be doing to make their careers more viable write some really good songs how do they get them out there it's easy stick them on soundcloud Okay, so SoundCloud's still a platform that's... Oh, SoundCloud's massively important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've missed that one out. SoundCloud is vitally, vitally important to it. More so than YouTube or on uh, a... Well, in my opinion, yeah, because obviously to get a music video done, it's fairly expensive yeah. for a band to get a music video done. Um, you know, 
I mean, un, you know, unless the thing is, everyone has an iPhone now, I suppose. So you can, if you're a bit, if you're a bit arty, you can put together a video on your iPhone. But as I was saying, SoundCloud is because on SoundCloud you have a feature to make things private. You do a private link, mm-hmm. which is so important. You know, if you're a band and you if you want to send out your music to some uh, press contacts or some blogs or something, um, it's really important to send them that private SoundCloud link so that person, that journalist knows that that is they're one of the first people to hear that song and then they can write about it you know okay. when it comes out or they can do a preview on the on the so it's on got the blog. exclusivity element almost yeah 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 i would say yeah okay and actually you haven't mentioned that pr blogging side of the the rock and roll world that still exists oh, massively so it's so important you know um people kind of think that magazines are dead and you know we've seen what happened to the enemy uh but online blogs are just there's absolutely thousands of them um, that would be relevant, and I, you know, I, I speak to people in bands, and they they they're like, oh, I don't I don't know what blogs to target, um, which I find a bit bizarre. Cause surely, if you're a musician, you should be reading blogs all the time. You'd you know, think. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of my free time is spent just reading blogs and magazines about music. Um, so you know, it's like, yeah, if you're in a band and you want to, it's fairly easy. All you do, write yourself a little press release, which is easy. Just you know talk about yourself talk about what the band's doing mm-hmm. um and then just send it off to you know all your favorite blogs you know and, and thing is you're not going to get an enemy cover if you're a new band right that sure. comes that comes five years down the line if you're really successful but what you will get is little blogs that will pick you up and do a little premiere for your video or a premiere for your track or just talk about you or invite them down to your gig they might do a little live review for you um, it's fairly simple. Really. And that's positive for fan engagement and getting your music out there. Well, definitely, because obviously, you know, blogs have kind of uh, uh, monthly readers all the time. Like, they have, blogs have a fan base in themselves. And okay. obviously, to the people that read a certain blog might not know the band's, you know, uh, one band that, that, w- that was in it. So they read the blog and then they discover the band. You know, it's just like when you read a magazine, you're like, oh, I've not heard of that band before. Yeah, no, of course. Um, just backtrack for me to, yeah. uh, you mentioned YouTube and yeah. the expense of making music videos. And then you said that everyone has an iPhone, which yeah. is true. Yeah. Do Do you think making cheap videos can cause more harm than good? No, I quite like it. As long as you do it well, it's quite funny. People love you know, DIY videos. That DIY scene is very much there as it was you know since the birth of punk rock that diy scene is mm-hmm. is is still there people love it people love to see bands doing things themselves um you know whether that's making their own t-shirts because their dad's got you know i don't know some guy that's got a load of blank t-shirts and you print sure. yourself something like that you know yeah or, or or you know making a video on uh on your phone or even just doing demos in your bedroom you know or in your in your parents garage or something at home yeah you know, people love the diy aspect of of new bands because you know it's not when when people start out in bands they always think that they've got to get a manager in a record label you don't really you, you actually the first thing you do is do shit you've got to do lots of stuff mm-hmm. um you know you've got to get a video out there you've got to get some demos done you can't because you can't just think oh a manager's going to pick me up and do that for me you've actually got to do it yourself and that's how managers and record labels will find a band okay i see so on the youtube thing if say people do make their amateur videos their diy thing they kind of move with this punk rock genre if, if that's the world that they're in they put their music out on youtube how do they benefit from giving away their music for free because that's essentially what you do on youtube isn't it yeah it is and uh if you've not got uh if you don't have a digital aggregator or a distributor whatever you want to call it uh uh you're not going to be able to monetize your videos on youtube and the thing is for a new band 
you can't monetize your videos anyway because there's no point because you get like a pound for every the four thousand views or something so it's not okay. worth doing it um but that's the nature of the beast you have to give away your music if you want to get out there this is the new digital marketing that's, world yeah for it music. Is, you know you just got to stick things up for free band camp's a great one because what you can do on Bandcamp, you can do a pay what you like so you can people can get it for free or they can pay for it if they want um radiohead did that they were the first band to do that and then Bandcamp kind of copied that model that radiohead used okay. and uh and then yeah just they did it's a pay what you like so you know someone might find this band and be like actually this is a really good ep i'll give them i'll give them a tenner for it whereas someone might be like yeah it's all right i'll give them a quid you know but something's better than nothing but something's better than nothing yeah okay. exactly no it's certainly an interesting tactic in this uh, new digital marketing world that we're all finding ourselves in what's your stance on streaming because there's been so much negativity around it in the press mm -hmm. especially from the mega mega celebrity mm -hmm. artists mm -hmm. how does that translate into the punk rock world does it even translate into I, the punk yeah rock i mean world? i think that streaming is is vitally important for the music industry really yeah i think it's vi i think streaming is the new radio because uh and the thing is when when people you'll speak to bands and they go oh you know we, well, we don't get paid anything from streaming which is true uh, well not stri not strictly true I run a record label. I know. I know what it is. Is it's that pittance, it, though, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It's less. It's changing. Mm. It's certainly less than a download. But the, th the thing that, that people miss is that uh, pre-streaming, you had things like LimeWire and Napster and torrent sites where pe there's always been people that won't pay for music. You, you, you know, you can speak to so many people and they, they just don't think music's a, a thing that should be paid for. You know, just as much when you go online to watch a film and you don't pay for it. It's exactly the same. People don't think that, uh, that music should be should be paid for there's always going to be this group of people that want to get something for free and actually what things like spotify does and apple music um spotify makes it so cheap for people to subscribe it's something you know if you're a student it's a five or a month which is wow you know, dirt cheap um so it, it's kind of it, it would get people to go actually yeah i'll pay a little bit and then i can listen to every song in the world pretty much um and also that with obviously streaming is a very new format um but what uh what we are seeing is that um it's turning into an online like digital radio kind of thing so spotify curate playlists um and send them out to like fifty thousand people at a time um so in that respect it's that's like turning on radio one you know, radio one at times doesn't have that many listeners i'm sure you know um, but Radio 1 surely has its own limited playlist. They have, from from what I've been told in the past, they have an A list, a, a B list and a C list. Yeah, and they, they play a yeah. set number of songs on rotation. Yeah. Aren't these streaming mm. sites now completely saturated? How do you know you're even going to get found? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's where uh, the, the, the new version of, say, radio plugin comes in, is that you can, as a record label, what we do is we pitch... Um, certain tracks of our artists to spotify to get featured on the spotify featured playlists okay so that's just like radio plugging where you used to pitch you know pitch songs to radio one and, and xfm or radio x as it's called now do you need to be a label to do that or can independent artists um, do that yeah i mean i'm not going to give away my secret no of course <laughs> we, we wouldn't expect you to uh, there, there is a way you can there is a form that you can find that spotify have made and you can find it on the internet and you can pitch your music to Spotify. I'll okay. say that much. It okay. is possible. Do some digging. But otherwise, is it best, even if you don't have a manager or a label, is it best to get a digital distributor to handle all this sort of stuff yeah, for you? Yeah, you know, like a company like AWOL, um, 
are really good. In, in many cases, your distributor will actually help with, with, you know, if you ask them, they actually might pitch it um, to Spotify for you. Um, and just to explain to us, that, that relationship between a band and a distributor, mm-hmm. is that a, a monthly fee? Is it a commission? How does it work? Um, I mean, distributors vary. Um, I think a lot of bands that are unsigned use a distributor called CD Baby. Yeah, um, I've heard of them. And then also AWOL, which stands for Artists Without a Label. Um, oh, okay, that's interesting. And uh, obviously AWOL is a bit bigger now. Lots of small labels use it. But uh, it started out as just a platform for artists to, to put out their music themselves. Um, and I think AWOL is just a commission, just a fee on your sales. Um, okay. And then, and, then, and then I think CD Baby might be, I don't know, maybe a tenor and you can put an album up or something like that. And there's a fee on the streaming as well. So if they get you onto streaming well, platforms, they take yeah, a commission from your, they'll take a your I mean, streaming pittance. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commission off all, all profits. Okay, you know, off all, all turnover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, just, you, you mentioned something earlier about that group of people who will never pay for music. Mm. Do you see that as a problem? Is it an increasing problem? Is music not valued in this country? Um, well, you know. Is we, it this country? Is it London as a city? Is it an international mindset? Is I it a mindset I, we can change? I wouldn't say that music isn't valued because people are happy to pay £250 to go to Reading Festival, which is sold out again this year. But they're not um, happy to pay 99 pence for a download. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. Recorded, What's that about? Reco- well, recorded music for a long time, if, you, if you're looking at look at year-on-year sales, recorded music has been falling for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this is kind of even pre-streaming, people were not buying as much music as they Why? used to. Um, well, possibly because of the dawn of the internet and the dawn of Napster and okay. LimeWire and things like that, where music was just suddenly available for free. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, you know, two years ago on YouTube, pretty much every song was available on YouTube. It's only yeah. it was only a couple of years ago that YouTube actually decided to take action on it and take a lot of accounts down that were just putting up music, um, pirating music. You know, yeah. Um, and that's obviously where Vivo came in and things like that. But that's another thing. Um, slightly lost my train of thought. Remind me to that. Um, people willing to pay two hundred and fifty pounds for a wedding, but not yeah. ninety nine so, pence for download. Yeah, so I mean, this uh, yeah, I mean, the live industry has been growing for for years, and it always it always has, and, and the live industry will always be the place to make your money in music, not recorded music. Um, okay, it's and I say that as someone who runs a record label. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, so, I mean, you guys, what, do you have 360 deals with your no, artists No, not at now? all. No, no. Unless you're Simon Cowell, you don't, you don't rape someone's career like that. Um, <laughs> I like the turn of phrase. <laughs> uh, you, you don't do that. It's, uh, multi-rights deals are, in my opinion, nasty and just horrible. You wouldn't do that to an What's artist. What's your experience of them? Um, it's not something we come across in, in our world. Um, I've heard horror stories. Um you know, with artists, I won't say any names, but artists who are massive now, but who, when they, when their first album came out, couldn't afford to pay the rent on their flat, even though their their album was at number one. Wow! You know, and they couldn't afford to rent pay the rent on their flat because what you know what major labels tend to do is sign artists into a two year multi rights deal, um, and it will ruin them obviously. And then when an artist realizes that what's going on, uh, they can they can split away from. Uh, from that particular label but, but or, sh- or renegotiate a good deal you know surely if, if that knowledge is now readily available no one in their right mind would sign one of these multi-use well, it's the, deals it's, you- it's the smoke and mirrors of the music industry people if you know if that, that's why x factor is a thing because if you're some girl from you know durham somewhere in the north like that and uh you want to be a singer 
and you have someone and you're doing like little gigs somewhere say and mm. someone finds you and they take you out to i don't know some posh restaurant in london in mayfair and they wine and dine you and they put you in the back of their mercedes and take them up to the universal officers and they put a piece of paper on the table and they say we're going to make you famous you're going to go fucking yell do yeah whatever. you'd give your soul you know you would no i do understand i i guess from my personal experience, more serious artists who genuinely want career longevity rather yeah. than 15 minutes of fame, mm. it's, it's a very different ballgame. Oh, absolutely. But pe- people still chase fame and they always will. They always have done. Do you think that's, that's funding the music industry? Do you uh, think that's what's keeping it going? Do you think that's what's actually keeping the independent artists down? No, that There's always no, people because, willing to sell their soul for 15 no, minutes of fame. Because, because what you have, you've got the top level of the music industry that is, you know, your Rihanna's, your Beyonce's, your... Jay-Z's you, mm-hmm. you know those people that that are absolute money machines and you know that make more money than you can imagine um and you've, you're always going to have those people at the top but actually what the the industry in the, the bottom like you know two-thirds um you've it's all kind of independent labels um that's that's actually and it's all completely detached from those people mm. you know we're not we're not in the same league and, we're, and it's not the same business really you know that's it's I, you know, we're not, we're not like, we, we don't create celebrities, we create bands, you know, we... we you create musicians. We create musicians, yeah, you know, and not, it's not like, it's, we're not this huge marketing machine that just churns out Do you see a shit. separation in the industry, then? I mean, yeah, massively so, yeah, 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 between, but I mean, there's that kind of 5% at the top that earn all the money, and then, and then there's, there's, uh, you know, there's... The but, people that actually love music and do it for just because it's it's they're passionate about it. Is it the artists that actually earn the money? I mean, the, I know there's the exceptions of Beyonce and Jay Z, mm. who obviously own their own labels and they've got yeah. Tidal and all the rest of it, and yeah. they are a they are a brand. They're a brand. So yeah. that that for me is completely separate from the music. But from what you just described, the people at the top that are making mm. the money aren't actually the artists. Well, it's, I mean, it's, the thing it's is, people, people well, people have this idea that Simon Cowell is is you know takes all the money. You know, and even if you look at a band like one, oh, I don't, I don't want to call them a band. One Direction is what he was referring to. If anyone hadn't picked that up, um, if you look at One Direction, um, you know they, they're they're still very rich kids. You know, yeah, they're not as rich as they should be, perhaps, but that's you know that's why the record label's there because the record label Aren't put they them owned on that platform. by the record label though. If the record label ditch them, don't well, no, they lose they, all that wealth? No, no, they get paid. They get paid millions. They still they get, they get paid millions. You know. Maybe maybe when the first record came out, they didn't. You know, that would have been a multi-rights deal, I imagine. Yeah. Which is why they toured for, well, for their whole career, pretty much. Um, but no, I think there's a bit of a misconception about, you know, companies like Sony and Universal taking all your money when you're at the top. Because there's a reason that, you know, that Alex Turner is a massively wealthy man. You know, mm. I mean, he's not obviously he's not on a major label, but he they're a massive band. You know, Arctic Monkeys are a massive band. You know, it's it, just because you're famous doesn't mean all your money's been taken by a label. Okay, you know, there's there's a reason these people drive Ferraris. You know, and wear expensive clothes because they do get money. They are they are. And rich, is, is it know? possible to transition from those lower thirds of mm. the industry as you described them earlier into this top five percent? Um, I mean, transition. I'd say no. Probably not, because it's like once you've made a career for yourself through independent labels, and bear in mind, actually, you've only got three major record labels now. You've got Warner's, Sony, and Universal. Because they've all slowly right. died over the well, years. Well, I mean, well, they've just been they've been amalgamated into each other, and they've kind of bought each other out and stuff like that. Um, so there's only three majors now, 
and then and then you think um you think like you know artists like florence and the machine she's not on a major record label uh, actually maybe, maybe she is maybe she's on island i'm not sure but if you think about the arctic monkeys not on a major record label adele is now on a major record label but up until a, a few time. months she ago was she was on excel yeah um you know and you've, you've got actually massive artists who who aren't on uh major labels you don't need to so know. then to answer the question we asked right at the beginning is it possible to have mm. a viable music career mm. in 2016 well then the answer is yes because if Absolutely. you don't need a major label to do it no, you and don't. you're you're happy to get to the level of adele which i think most of us would be <laughs> yeah, then Absolutely. then it yeah. is perfectly and possible the only, the only reason that adele has gone on and signed to sony for silly money is that she, she now commands that amount of money and her management and, and she would be silly to turn down 90 million pounds I think yeah. anybody would be silly course, to turn down that sort of Of course, so money. it's like because she can command that, and she's going to be signed into a couple of records with Sony over ten, fifteen years time. Um, it, it's like she's laughing, and it's like that's the next step in her career, and that's her career will always be an album, a five year break, an album, a five year break, and then a couple of tours. You know, she's not Adele's. Adele's an anomaly in the industry, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah, no, of well. course, of course. So. You mentioned again earlier, just to keep backtracking you, because you've made so many great points about the live aspect really increasing mm. and the sales of CDs and vinyls mm. decreasing. Mm. Is that a trend you think is going to continue? Um, well, vinyl's coming back, as we all know. Uh, like even Tesco started selling vinyl again. Have they? Uh, yeah, yeah. I need to go I to mean, Tesco. Only, only you know, you're talking like Justin Bieber records and shit like Justin that. Justin Bieber's on vinyl. Everyone's on vinyl now. Yeah. Yeah, everyone press on vinyl. So people have record players at home? It's now fashionable to have a record player. You know, it's like, it's uh, it's seen as vintage and cool, I guess. I don't know. So is the return of vinyl a fashion statement or a music statement? Yeah, I mean, it is. It is, in a way, it is a fashion statement. But what it is doing, it's getting kids who shop at Urban Outfitters to, you know, who, who necessarily wouldn't buy music before to go, actually, I'm going to save up a bit of money and I'm going to spend £15 on music, on one album, which is, which is which amazing. Which is a result for the music industry. Absolutely, it's really, really good. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of bands where, actually, unless they're not on vinyl, they're not going to make much money because, you know... Is like, this in the punk rock industry that we're I think, talking I think or across, across the, board, the board? I think across the board, smaller artists. Okay. If, you know, if, they've, if they've got the money to press on vinyl. Because vinyl's, vinyl's becoming very expensive and the thing... Obviously, with the resurgence of anything, um, so a little bit of backstory on vinyl. The, the, all the all the vinyl pressing plants in the world um, are the same now as they were in the seventies. No one has made any new machines. All the pressing machines are exactly the same now. So they're kind of old and they break often. So and there's not many factories that can make vinyl. It's like uh, most of our vinyls made in the Czech Republic because there's loads over there. I think there's one pressing plant in the UK. Um, but most of it comes from the Czech Republic. Um, and so obviously with the with vinyl becoming more popular, um, there's these factories are suddenly like, you know, they've got so many orders coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, so they put the price up. So vinyl is getting more and more expensive to, okay. to press. Um, like, for example, if you do a run of 300 um, 12 inch records on a colored vinyl, it's about 11 pound uh, per vinyl. And you're selling them for 15? Uh, yeah. So 15, the markup's yeah. not great. Not great, no. From but, a label and but a kind of slightly, better, slightly better than CD. Really? Yeah, a little bit better than so CD. So what are the figures on CDs, just so we can give some perspective? Um, you talk £3.75 per CD. And sell them for... Price to dealers a fiver. 
Right. So it's enough. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah, the market and so price to dealer, your dealer that's, would that's be your. The, so the, the the price to dealer is the is is what the shops buy it at. So like what the rough trades and HMVs. So then the retail at. chains and make the market. The, the retail chains make the most money out of out of anyone in the wow. recorded music. Wow. So industry, that markup yeah. from from the retailers. Yeah. That's all theirs. That's one hundred percent theirs. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. So, and I then, didn't know and then that. our and then our little cut in the middle. Uh, you're one pound seventy five, or you're yeah, one pound twenty five. Yeah, and then obviously the distributor takes a fee of that, and then you've got to give a bit to the artist, and then the label keeps a bit. So really, it's, it's pittance. Know, it's pittance, and you know, I mean, yes, you can make money from selling recording music, but you've got to be selling thousands of copies, really. Otherwise, well, I mean, you can millions, really. For well, it depends how much money you're talking. You know, if you want to make a life for yourself, you know, you can get by on on you know having. 20 artists on your label that each sell a few thousand records right um a year you know okay so that's what you're doing at the moment yeah well, i'm getting to that point yeah okay hopefully. so how many artists are on the label um sorry hang on just have a drink yeah no I worries talking too much it's great to get all the feedback mm. and the insights um okay so artists on the label we've got about five on the label at the moment Okay. Um, so not that many. And looking but to we're grow. Growing. Yeah, um, I've got three more in the pipelines. Okay. Def- definitely, definitely coming uh, in the next four months. All punk rock. You're staying very much in um, the niche. No, I've got a grunge band. Um, okay. I've got uh, an Australian kind of skate punk band, and I have a very interesting. Um, I describe her as I suppose kind of but electro post punk. Very interesting, and she's very interesting. It's really cool. Solo artist. Uh, technically, I mean, there's a band, but it's technically just her. Fronted by her. Yeah. yeah okay. So, yeah. what's the future for the label? Um, just keep going, grow, grow, and grow. Um, maybe get some investment, and uh, who knows? And you think it's as a label? So mm. now, from your perspective, not from the artist's perspective, there is an industry, there is a market for you to grow into. You, you don't no, there think is. That absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, there really is. It's it's hard work because there's a lot of people at it, um, and it you know it takes a lot of money to to set up a record label and mm-hmm. even to keep a record label going. It does take a lot of money for you know kind of small return. Um, but as I said before, it's it's a bit of an ego trip. Being, being able to find bands that I love and then put them out in the shops and then people buy them. I, I think that's fantastic. Well, I wouldn't even say that's an ego trip. That's just your passion. That's something well, you're yeah, passionate about and yeah. you're, you know, you're, yeah. you're serving the industry and yeah. you're helping to change lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. not necessarily an ego trip. That's actually well, quite selfless. Not. If you take yeah. a few quid home at the end of the day, then you know, why not? Well, everyone's got to work, don't they? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Everyone's got to earn a living. Mm. So you think with the, the resurgence of vinyl, as you called it, and <laughs> yeah. the increase of demand for live like touring yeah yeah yeah. i mean i, I wouldn't I, i'd say a, i'd say there's the, a lifestyle yeah, for musicians yeah. and small labels Absolutely, it is possible it is possible you just, as i said you just got to work really hard at it otherwise you're not going to get anywhere there's no point in being half-assed about it okay because you know there's always going to be a band that's that is more than happy to gig for free and gig for free a lot it's until they get noticed right so stop being precious about it for the time being you can be precious when you're famous Stop being precious for the time being and just work really hard. Mm. Write some good songs and get out there and, and, you know, sell yourself. Do you think that mentality has an impact on the session musician world? I appreciate you're not necessarily Mm. from that world. You Mm. work with artists who are, you know, doing their own music. But when live music venues can get bands to play for free, what does Mm. that do for musicians in the session world who rely on being paid for gigs to earn a living? Yeah, well, I mean, it's... 
you know i think it's slightly different because the venues like you you would never have like a session band playing at a venue like the old blue last true um that's you know that's uh, i mean i don't know much about the session world but it's session ses- session bands tend to be for like functions true um, so you don't think the two you know, overlap they're not in each other's overlap. pockets no. too much i mean uh you know there is there is this kind of mindset where that musicians should play for free um and i hate that and well yeah i mean i mean obviously in the session world it's completely detrimental to that to, to that industry you can't you can't um, earn a living as a session musician no, if no. there's always somebody offering so to do the do same it, job for free. for free uh but then i think you know in the in the industry that i'm in uh because there are so many bands about and there are loads mm. there are loads of bands about in london at the moment and some really good ones but in order to get your name out there you've got to be willing to play for you know a little bit of money or free for you know for the first mm. few times i'm not saying go through your whole career because if you go through the whole or your whole career playing free, you're doing something terribly wrong um, no of course it'd be really interesting to get you in on the show another time where we've mm. got uh jazz musicians and funk yeah. musicians who mm. are both session musicians but also doing their own projects yeah. but still expecting to be paid yeah, the yeah, same yeah. the same fees as session musicians yeah. it, it begs the question should musicians only be charging fees when they're doing covers or session work it's, well, that's the it's thing. a I really mean, sensitive subject yeah. and there isn't a union Mm. at the moment that is addressing these sort of issues do, mm. do you guys work with a musicians union no, as part of the label no, it's no. it's non-existent and i think i think it's an issue that that really should be addressed but yeah i i imagine all of your bands and as a label mm. you would benefit if it became rule of thumb that these venues had to pay a minimum fee to these musicians uh yeah would it but then, kill live but then, music? yeah it would it would because the thing is the the london live music uh venues uh, have been have, uh, disappearing fairly fast. Yeah, um, they are alarmingly there are, so. Actually, there, yeah. we've just lost the silver bullet in yeah. Finsbury Park. Yeah, exactly. Um, there are so many venues that are closing down, um, and that's that's just due to the fact that it's it's too expensive to run them, and that's and that's too expensive to run a venue without even paying the bands. You know, that's down. It's down to the promoter to be paying the bands at many of these mm, venues. That's you know? more. That's more to do with London's property market. Well, though, it, isn't it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but you know, you can't. You can't go. Oh, as a music venue, you have to be paying bands th- this set amount of money. Uh, well, how else do we wouldn't... redress this question? Could we could we not then approach local government and local councils and say that live music venues get some sort of subsidy on their rates yeah, if they pay their musicians? I, yeah. I mean, that well, I mean, could I potentially think, be a I mean, good solution. I think, I think that music venues should get a subsidy on their rates anyway because it's a cultural hub. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it's uh, but then it's but then where do you draw the line? Does that mean a pub should get a cut on their rates? Does that mean a nightclub should? I don't know. I'm biased because I work in the music industry, and I think venues are, are critically important. Well, but... I, actually, I think the line should be drawn where there's a license for live music. If you have mm. a license for live music and you've gone to the effort and the expense of of, of acquiring of that license, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you you should be you should have some sort of uh, compensation yeah, or, yeah. you know, reduction in some sort of bill or some sort of funding somewhere so that you can actually fund, as you said, the culture, mm. the, the the musical element. I think I think that way then putting music, uh, putting money, sorry, back into the musical economy mm. can, can only see the industry as a whole and, and our export economy grow from strength to strength. Well, Especially so. when, when we're shipping our bands over to Europe, as you said earlier. Well, absolutely, yeah, because, you know, obviously it's important for bands to be playing in London because that's where they're going to maybe get picked up by management record labels, booking agents, etc. Mm. Okay, so let's end on a more positive note. Yeah. Um, the question I asked you 45 minutes ago yeah. was, is it viable to have a music career in the music industry in 2016? Mm-hmm. Given all the topics that we've we've addressed 
can I get a simple yes or no? Is it viable? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's that's certainly positive for our listeners. Big yeah. things happening with One yeah. Two Three Four Records. Elliot, thanks Absolutely. so much for coming and chatting to us today. Thanks really appreciate me. it. Cheers. I'm sure we'll have you back when we've got our other Brexit <laughs> show, and we'll get into the nitty gritty of how that's really going to work. Yeah. But for now, guys, that's all from me. I'm Harriet. This is the Academy Building Podcast, and we shall see you soon. <laughs>